Welcome to democracyonthemove.org, a podcast tribute to the people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it toward its true principles of democracy. Content for this episode was recorded on Sunday, October 10, 2021. I'm Dan Schaefer, your host for today's podcast, and thank you for joining us. Now, before we get started, I'd like to make a general appeal to your sense of compassion. In past episodes, we featured Bobby Bostick. Mr. Bostick is currently serving a sentence for armed assault committed when he was 16. Though nobody was seriously hurt, he remains in prison to this day. He is now 42 years old, and until recent changes in the law, he won't be eligible for parole until the age of 112. Now, if that seems unreasonable to you, and it certainly does to me, and if you believe in second chances, then please take notice. Recent changes in the law, due in no small part to the efforts of State Representative Nick Schroer, Mr. Bostick is now eligible for parole and will be up for a hearing on November 9th. If you're familiar with his case, or you'd like to get familiar with his case and possibly help him secure a successful parole hearing, have a look at the website at freebobbybostick.com. It's all one word, freebobbybostick.com. Bostick is spelled B-O-S-T-I-C. If you feel so compelled, click on the menu item called How to Help and read up on the instructions on how to write the parole board on Mr. Bostick's behalf. Now keep in mind that Mr. Bostick has largely rehabilitated himself while in prison by earning college credit and writing several books that are currently available on Amazon. Assuming he wins parole, he'll need some help after leaving prison. So if you're willing to provide moral, emotional, or educational support to help Mr. Bostick or assist him in any way after his release, including by providing guidance or helping to obtain employment, please consider getting involved. So this week has been filled with the usual political drama. In Texas, the highly contentious abortion laws were, well, on again, then off again, then on again, as this case works its way through the court system. Former President Donald Trump keeps people guessing as to whether he's going to run for president in 2024. So let me cut to the chase here. He's going to run. He just likes the back-and-forth drama because it keeps his name in the headlines. And progress continues on the congressional investigation into the January 6th insurrection. Steve Bannon so far seems to be the lone holdout in attempting to thumb his nose at a congressional investigative subpoena. And, get this, he claims to have 20,000, quote, shock troops at the ready. Shock troops, yes, 20,000 shock troops. Now, that's either a thinly veiled threat against our nation, uh, or perhaps it's a reference to the Star Wars elite stormtroopers. The Star Wars theory actually makes sense to me because, well, I got to be frank with you, every time I look at Steve Bannon, I I just can't help thinking about Jabba the Hutt. And so, so now Steve may look the part of Jabba the Hutt, but, you know, his voice doesn't quite make the grade. But I've noticed that if you splice Mitch McConnell's voice over Steve Bannon's image, you can get pretty close to a hut. So on to other things. This week I did some work for another podcast called The Alliance Party After Dark. Look it up if you get a moment. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. Again, it's called The Alliance Party After Dark. And on that podcast, we talked with the futurist David Houle. As a futurist, David is pretty good at seeing trends coming down the pipeline well before most people even wake up in the morning. For example, years ago, he helped conceive and develop MTV based on his prediction that cable TV was going to accelerate into homes across the nation and young people are eager to see their favorite musicians. 
He also co-created CNN's Headline News. Now, I know a lot of these video services may seem to have sort of melted into the fabric of society by now, but when they were introduced, they were innovative, prescient, and of course, obviously, very profitable. So lately, David Hull, his name is spelled H-O-U-L-E, David Hull, has been writing lots of books. He released his first book called The Shift Age back in 2007. It predicted many of the societal and political patterns we see coming to fruition today. He's now working on a series of books about what he calls the most disruptive decade in our lifetimes, the 2020s. Here we are, right in the middle of the 2020s, the most disruptive decade in our lifetime. I highly recommend you have a look at these books. Each book is only about 100 to 150 pages. It's an easy read, and yet they're packed with great information on what we can expect over this decade. David plans to release a book each year throughout this decade. And finally, there's something that's been on my mind lately that I just need to put out there. If you've followed my Twitter feeds, you'll know that I've shamelessly asked for help in my pursuit of a way to enforce the 14th Amendment. Now, if you recall, a little bit of history here, the 14th Amendment was signed and ratified by the 39th Congress back in 1866, in the wake of the U.S. Civil War. Now, the amendment grew out of several concerns after the Civil War had concluded, most notably the need to secure freedom and equality for all. It was an early move towards civil rights. But there were other concerns expressed in the amendment as well. And at this point, I'm focused on Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which reads, quote, No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer in any state, to support the Constitution of the United States, shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same, or given aid or comfort to enemies thereof. But Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each House, remove such disability. End quote. In a short time, I want to also read Section 5, but for now let's focus on this Section 3. It basically says that once you take an oath of office, an oath that says you will protect the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic, you can never go back on that oath. If you go back on that oath, you shall not become a holder of office again, ever, unless you get two-thirds of the House and the Senate to agree to remove this restriction. Now, as I say these words, I'm reminded of that iconic picture of Missouri Senator Josh Hawley raising his fist in a sign of unity and support to a rowdy crowd that only hours later stormed the Capitol and attempted to hijack a congressional procedure to count the presidential votes from the 2020 election. By raising his fist, I argue, Senator Josh Hawley provided aid and comfort to the January 6th insurrection, which is a direct violation of the 14th Amendment. So the question I asked our Twitter followers over the past couple weeks was this. How can Josh Hawley constitutionally maintain his position as senator? Now, similar arguments could be made for other members of Congress like Mo Brooks, but I focus on Josh Hawley not only because I'm a citizen of Missouri, which he represents, but because that iconic photo is damning evidence in my opinion. It should be a no-brainer. Yes, it should be, but there are a number of gotchas. 
First, and now I'm going to read Section 5 of the 14th Amendment that reads, quote, The Congress shall have power to enforce by appropriate legislation the provisions of this article, end quote. Essentially, it says that Congress must be the ones to enforce this provision. Now, I'm not a lawyer. I don't even play one on TV. So I don't know exactly how this works, but I'm troubled by the clause, quote, by appropriate legislation, unquote. What does that mean? It's not clear to me at all as to how to legislate an enforcement. I'm clearly in need of schooling in this area. Now, there's always Article 1, Section 5 of the Constitution, which says, quote, each house may determine the rules of its proceedings, punish its members for disorderly behavior, and, with the concurrence of two-thirds, expel a member, end quote. So that clears it up for me, if only just a little bit. Basically, it would take two-thirds of the senators to expel Josh Hawley. Do you think this is ever going to happen in today's climate? Do you really think our senators will ever act on this? Honestly, I'm not holding my breath. So insofar as Congress actually expelling a member for insurrection, I just don't see this happening. But, and there's a big but here, but there may be a way around this particular issue, I think. Again, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know for sure. But what about this? We, we citizens, file a lawsuit to prevent Senator Hawley from ever running for office in our state. The lawsuit would compel the Missouri Secretary of State to remove Josh Hawley's name from both the primary elections and the general election in 2024. Does this seem reasonable? Am I going out on a limb here? I don't know. Please let me know if I've gone too far. But assuming for the moment that I'm on the right track, then let's have a look at what it would take to back up such a bold lawsuit. As far as I can tell, the burden of proof is a substantial hill to climb. First of all, we would need to prove that there was indeed an insurrection. The ongoing congressional investigation into the events of January 6 might, just might, offer a definitive declaration as to whether the events actually amount to an insurrection. I think it does, but let's find out. Then we would have to prove that Josh Hawley's actions prior to the insurrection amount to aid and comfort as spelled out by the 14th Amendment. His raised fist is perhaps the most blatant example, but I suspect the picture must be fortified with his words, actions, tweets, emails, and conversations that took place before, during, and after the insurrection. Again, the congressional investigation, we hope, actually reveals this information. Further, we would have to prove that Senator Hawley had a reasonable expectation that the insurrection would take place, and therefore all his words and actions leading up to it contributed to the effort. Perhaps the final challenge would be to get a judge to listen and make a binding ruling that affects the election in 2024. Knowing Josh Hawley, he would appeal it all the way to the Missouri Supreme Court and maybe even higher before a definitive action could take place. So, big question here. Is anyone with me on this issue? Please respond to this podcast by sending an email to info at democracyonthemove.org or DM us on Twitter at allonthemove. Again, that's info at democracyonthemove.org. The words democracy on the move are all one word. Okay, so that's today's episode, short and sweet. This is Democracy on the Move, a tribute to all those people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it back to its true principles of democracy. Please tune in each week where we will feature guests and topics that will keep you in touch with our march toward a more perfect union. If you have any suggestions for stories and or people you think we should cover at Democracy on the Move, 
please contact us through our website contact page at democracyonthemove.org slash contact, or send us an email at info at democracyonthemove.org. You can also comment on our Twitter page at All on the Move. By the way, we don't want to just talk to people that push a quasi-progressive attitude here at Democracy on the Move. Feel free to suggest anyone. We continually invite guests that we don't agree with, but you know, to date, they've all chickened out. I would love to have a good debate on the podcast. If you find today's podcast interesting and informative, please tell your friends and family about us. And if you'd like to help sponsor the podcast at Democracy on the Move, please contact us through the website or email. I'm Dan Schaefer, your host for today's podcast, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in. It's been my pleasure to be with you today. Please have a safe week ahead, and we hope you'll tune in to our next episode.